Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. All right, guys. How many of you feel like death today? Like you're so tired, you just want to get in the fetal position? And <laughs> okay, um, how many of you could just run a marathon right now? You feel so darn good. Okay, not many, <laughs> not many. I'm so tired. I've yeah, I didn't get any sleep last night. Um, Addison had a bad dream, so I went down and laid with her halfway through the night. And then as soon as I got back to sleep, I got a call from one of our host homes um, that someone was sick and. Um, then when I got back, to, then I got back to sleep, and it was like 5:30 or well, something like that. Addison had another bad dream, and then I was getting ready, and I got a call from another host home about somebody being sick. Um, you want to see how um, tired I am? I grabbed a pair of socks, and my eyes were so blurry, you know, your contacts, that I thought I was grabbing black socks. So, don't say your youth pastor doesn't have fashion sense, okay? So, <laughs> they match. They just look hideous. Um, so, <laughs> so I swear, like, they had, I swear I thought they were black. Anyway, um, so, guys, I know you're tired, but thank you for being a part of this weekend. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I hope you guys um, stay healthy this week. Um, there's a lot of stuff going around. Um, if you haven't washed your hands today, um, when we take a break here, wash your hands who here is the girl that has the, um, I'm sure there's at least two or three girls in here that have the Yankee Candle hand sanitizers? None of them? Bath and Body Works, I mean. Yeah, see? So, so find someone with hand sanitizer or wash your hands before you go downstairs. We're just going to say that, okay? Uh, and uh, when you get home, do like a full body shower with, uh, take a Lysol bath or something. Uh, maybe not a Lysol bath. Your skin may not like that. So, um, so we're going to, um, we're going to pray. Um, I'll, by the way, pray for Abby. Abby wasn't able to come in today because her road is flooded. Um, so um, we have some people that are, are flooded in. Abby, Abby Black, one of our leaders, she wasn't, yeah. she said she had to leave. She had to leave because um, her road was getting flooded and they had to, some, I guess they can walk across the train tracks or something and get to, get to their house if it's not, it's weird. But um so, you know, pray for, pray for Abby. Um, so let's, let's pray before we get started. Um, let's do that. Well, never mind. Let's not do that. Um, I was going to tell you to reach out and take everybody's hand at your table. We're not going to do that. So, you know how you can play air guitar? Do air hugs. Just kind of air hug the people around you. Don't actually touch them, okay? <laughs> air hug them, okay? So, <laughs> so let's uh, air hug uh, pray for the people at your table as I'm praying for you guys, okay? Ready? One, two, three, go. Uh, Father, thank you so much that we have one more time to gather together and just and focus on you, talk about what it means to be a part of your body, um, to be a uh, part of your family, um, to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I pray for the people that they've had to leave early because they're sick and they're not feeling well. But think about Sydney and Allie and Josh. Um, God, that you'll bring healing to their bodies. Um, God, also, I pray that you'll protect us um, with everything going around, God, that you'll keep our bodies healthy and strong. Um, God, I pray that as, as we go through this last session, and it's kind of a very, uh, um, one that kind of requires a little bit of vulnerability, and um, it's, it's not easy. Um, God, I pray that you'll give us open hearts and open minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the last session, we've talked about um, the purpose of the church and why we love the church. It's people and purpose. Um, 
I just realized I forgot the H in gather, so we don't gather, we gator. Uh, we gator together. Okay. Um, and then there are pictures of the church. Remember the pictures of the church? There's the body, the bride, and the family. And then um, we also, um, today, we're going to talk about life in the church. And um, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I want to ask you, how many of you have had a bad experience with someone at church? Don't raise your hand. Um, have had a bad experience with someone at church in your life? Um, I would venture to say everybody could raise their hands, right? Um, yeah, I, I've been at this church for a long time, and I would run out of fingers and toes counting the bad experiences I've had um, with people at church. So why in the world am I here? Um, that's what we're going to talk about, <laughs> you know. Um, because we have to live together in this church, in this body of Christ, in this family of God. How many of you have had a bad, you can raise your hand with this, you've had a bad experience with somebody in your family at some point in your life? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it was Gabe was like, this is the first weekend I've never been with my brother and I love it, right? <laughs> so so uh, you know, some of you are like that, you know, you totally get that, right? But we kind of assume in our family that we're not always going to get along don't we? we? We kind of assume that, and we don't, when we have a disagreement, say, hopefully, um, when we disagree with whether we should be watching um, ESPN or the Disney Channel, always ESPN, um, ESPN or the Disney Channel, if, if we don't get our way, we don't say, well, I'm leaving this family, I'm going to find a family that lets me watch the Disney Channel, right? So, you know, we're in this family together, so we got to learn how to live together, and the Bible gives us a lot of information, how should Christians live together? And what I would challenge you is if Christians would actually do this, I think we'd have a whole lot closer uh, like relationship with each other. So what I w we're going to talk about, we're going to start out when we talk about life in the church. There's this thing called the one. Now some of you are going to have PTSD about this. The one and others. Um. Wyatt and I did a series on the one and others on Sunday mornings a couple years ago. It lasted 53 weeks. So we did 53 Sundays. How many of y'all remember when we were talking about the one? Some of you, you older ones. We talked about the one and others. And um, it lasted 53 weeks. In the Bible, in the New Testament, when it talks to church, there are 59 one another's. And the statement says to blank one another. That doesn't sound really good. Um, it says, yeah, it, it says, yeah, do this with one another. So there are, there's love one another, there's honor one another, there's live in harmony with one another, there's um, um, bear one another's burdens. So there's all these one another's that tell us how we should live together. Um, if, you, if you have your little notebooks, turn to the last page and look, I have a whole list of all 59 one another's. Um, some people say 59, some people say 54, because love one another occurs several times. But these are the one another's. So you can see, be at peace with each other, or some translations say one another. Um, instruct one another. Here's a fun one. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So my next exercise is we're all going to greet each other with holy kisses. And you have to kiss everybody in the room. No. Uh, <laughs> air kisses. No. Um, Anyway, um, so there's, there's all the admonish one another, build one another up, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Um, it's actually in here twice. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting if we applied that literally at church? That'd be really weird. 
Um, so all that to say, the Bible tells us the way that we're supposed to act towards each other. Um, and the question is, why don't we, why don't we do it? So what we're going to do, I want to show you a couple of the big one another's. And if you have your Bible, open up to Romans 12. Um, there's this section of the Bible where there are a bunch of one another's clumped together. So we'll call it the one another cluster. Or the one another clump. The one another clump. Um, and in these one another clumps, the first one that we see in Romans 12.10 is to be devoted to one another. Um, not to get real technical on you, but this English word, the Greek word for being devoted is philostorgos, which has the notion of parents being devoted to their children. Um, you, you obviously, I don't think any of you have kids yet that I know of, um, but uh, what you're going to learn when you have a kid is nobody else is going to take care of your kid for you. It's your responsibility. So when Addison, when we're driving somewhere and Addison Ralph's in her car seat, I don't just get to park the car, go inside, and somebody else cleans it up. Guess who's there with paper towels, picking it up, throwing it in the trash? Sorry, some of you are too sensitive to puke, and I'll just stop there. But guess who cleans it up? This guy right here. Because there's no, yeah, it's my responsibility. I'm devoted to Addison. Um, she doesn't feel well. I take care of her. When she, before she was potty trained, I cleaned her poopy diapers up, and it was disgusting, but I was devoted to her because I realized it was my responsibility. And in, in here it says to be devoted to one another, Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. So we should be devoted to each other. Um, being devoted means I'm not your friend or I'm not with you just when it's like beneficial to me to be with you. It means I'm not going to be your friend on Friday night when D now starts and everybody's in a good mood. But I'm going to be your friend this morning when you're a little on the salty side because you've had two hours of sleep over the past 48 hours. I still love you, and I'm still going to be there for you. I'm still going to let you go in front of, in front of me in line to get the, um, what are those little French toast sticks that every, you know, those little French toast sticks everybody loves and thinks are so amazing that, that we have down there. You know, I, I'm going to let you have the last French toast stick because I'm devoted to you in love. That's like a practical way. Um, so what's your level of commitment and involvement in other people's lives? We should be devoted to one another. Um, this one is a hard one too. Honor one another above yourself. How much do you like yourself? How much do you take care of yourself? We spend a lot of time taking care of ourselves. You know, we, we look in the mirror and we, we crimp our eyebrows and, and we put our mascara on and we put our blush on and all that stuff. You know, or you girls do, you know. And, um, you know, put the eyeliner on. You, know, you, you, you make sure you're taken care of, right? You, you give yourself a certain level of honor and respect and that's good. I mean, you know, you know, you, you know, you know, some of us do need to give ourselves some attention and, and put on the war paint and, and you know, and, and guys need to take showers and put on deodorant. Please put on deodorant. You know, take care of yourself, honor yourself. But what this says is to the level that you honor yourself, you should honor your brothers and sisters in Christ even more. Um, so I'm not just looking out for my own well-being, but I'm, and you know, the reference for this one is Romans 12, um, 10. It's actually the same, you know, it's the same verse, so it's, it's all kind of together, be devoted and honor one another. So, so, so Andrew should be honoring Avery above himself, uh, you know, and we go around the table, and so, um, so, so look, look to the person next to you, say, I honor you. <laughs> honor, honor means to put on a pedestal, to, to, to look for virtues. So, so guess what? 
Gavin's really tired this morning, isn't he? You know, I just feel bad for him. Like, I just want to, like, get a little cot out here and, you know, tuck him in and, like, you know, give him some warm milk and, like, a teddy bear. Like, he, he looks so tired. But, but um, I want to, if, if I want to honor Gavin, that means even though I'm tired, I put mine, his needs before mine. Um, so so I, I, I honor him, and I look for virtues. Even though Gavin's tired, I know he, he was a manly or masculine maid, and he worked really hard last, yeah, yesterday. Um, you're one of the masculine maids, right? You're, you're wearing that cubby bear hat. Um, um, so yeah, he was one of the masculine. He worked really hard, so guess what? I'm not going to look down on him because he's tired tonight, today. I'm going to look up to him because he worked so hard yesterday. So, so I'm honoring him. So we honor one another above ourselves Live in harmony with one another is, is another one. We find that in Romans. Romans chapter 12, same chapter, verse 16. Um, who here likes music? You like music. How many of you like to think you like music, but you're not a musical person? You're like me. You know, you're, you're like, I like music, but I'm not a musical person. Okay? Um, if, if you've studied music theory, oh, goodness. Okay. I'm not a music theor, theoretician, I guess you could say. But there's... I know this. I know enough to know this. this. There's the melody of a song, right? And that's, that's the, the melody of the song is what everybody sings. So, our song is a slam screen door, slinking out late, tapping on his window when we're on the phone, and he talks real slow, okay? So, that's the melody. That's the way the song goes, okay? But if you were to sing in like a choir, or if you were to sing like in a, in a group, um, you'd have people that are singing the melody, which is what everybody, you know, everybody knows, but you'll hear people harmonize, won't you? Um, sometimes people will harmonize above the melody. Sometimes people will harmonize below the melody, but here's the thing, the melody isn't always just like this, right? It's up and down, it's up and down. So when you harmonize, you're actually following the melody, and then the melody goes like this, guess what you do? With your harmony, you go like this. And if you're going below and you're harmonizing, you go like this, the melody stays the same. So if we're going to live in harmony with one another, it means that we're together, even though we're different. By the way, who's the melody of our church song? It's Jesus, right? So if we want to be in harmony with each other, we've got to follow Jesus. And as we do what Jesus tells us to do, we're actually working together to make beautiful music. So harmony requires everybody working together and everybody operating off the same, mu yes, the same music, the same plan, you know, the, 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 same, the same chords. So here's what happens sometimes. We know what Jesus is doing. Maybe sometimes we're trying to, one person's trying to follow Jesus, but one person's doing their own thing. And what used to be beautiful music sounds like Nickelback now. It sounds terrible. You know, it sounds absolutely atrocious. It sounds like Nicki Minaj. You're like, I can't even call that music. Okay, so... But here, here's how that plays out with us. We don't work together when we see people who are singing differently than we are, even though they're harmonizing with us. We say, I don't like the way you're doing that, and I don't like the way you're doing that. Um, we have people in our church that are very artistic. I'm not. Who here likes to, who here is like, you, you're, you consider yourself artistic. You like to draw, sing, write, something 
something artsy. We need artsy people, okay? So, and, and then I, I'm like kind of the black and white kind of guy. Like, I'm like a, I like... I appreciate people who are artistic, but I really, I really like, like, tell me just the facts. I don't need you to sing them to me. I don't need you to draw a picture of it to me. I just want to see that. I just want to know what you're trying to tell me. You know, I was one of those when we go to the Museum of Art, and they'd be like, what do you see in this picture? I'm like, a bird. And they're like, but how do you think the bird feels? Dead, because he's not a real bird. He's a picture. Like, like I, I didn't have these deep artistic insights into you know, the paintings. Um, so it would be easy for me to look down on people and say, what you're doing is not important. Instead of trying to draw how the bird feels, why don't you just write down in two words how the bird feels and I'll know instead of having to go through and talk to all these fancy schmancy people about how they think the bird feels. But you know what? It's important. It's important that we artistically express our worshipful feelings t- towards God. You're going to see that when we go over to our main, our main service. People are, we're going to be singing together. So even though maybe I don't always understand you artsy people, I realize that in our church we need you. Um, and you may not understand me, and you may think I'm just like a really boring guy because I just want to just tell, you know, say, say it like it is. But we need people in church to say it like it is. But what we risk is when we don't operate in harmony with each other, um, our music becomes really disgusting. Um, there's a video I wanted you to see that I think illustrates this really well. Um, it's a Casting Crown song, and somebody took this and made an animation to it. That I think is really helpful for us to understand that we all need each other in the body of Christ. So I'm going to play this video for you. Um, hopefully it won't, we won't have buffering issues because we've had some. So that's, in a video, kind of a representation of what it means to live in harmony with each other. And a representation of what happens when... Because we are different, we just decide, I just want to be around people that are like me. Um, we all need each other. When we live in harmony with each other, it means we're not all the same. You know, God's not into making cookie-cutter Christians. He's just not. Um, we see that nowhere in the Bible. There are, there are things that Christians are supposed to do and supposed to be, um, but, but God did not make robots. Um, God made individuals. Each of you are individual people, and we're meant to live in harmony together. And when we do, it's an incredible thing. And you've been a part of that. You've got to see that happen. Uh, some of you got to see that happen yesterday as people were working together. Um, some of you have seen that if you've been with us on mission trips and, and, and backpack VBS doing things. Where we just start, you know, we don't really know each other very well when we start. But by the end, uh, we've worked together in a beautiful way. And it's become this beautiful, like, sacrifice to God. So live in harmony with one another um, is, is, that, is, the, is the last one. And then the final one um, is accept one another. Um, accept one another. In this, it says, accept one another. Um, this, this verse is interesting because it says, accept one another um, as Christ accepted you. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. Um, so question, well, we're, we're getting ready to have a whiteboard question, so get ready here. Um, so it says, accept one another, and this is Romans 5, 15, 7, accept one another. Um, you know, I think the reputation among many is that churches are, a pla- churches are places that are with people who are judgmental and unaccepting. Uh, what we see here is that we as, church, as, 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 as a church, as a church family, are supposed to accept one another. So the next question, the question I have for you, um, is what does it mean? This is a whiteboard question. I'm going to give you like two seconds. Or I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Talk about it. Get an answer. What does it mean to accept one another? What does it mean to accept one another?
Um, look at the verse um, on, your, on, on, your, uh, on your binder um, and ask that question. What does it mean to accept one another? Go. All right. That was a quick five seconds. Um, so what does it mean to accept one another? Love them as much as you love yourself or your family. Oh, that's good. Um, treat them as one of us no matter who they are. Accept them how they are. Get past our differences and forgive. Um, love them no matter what. Um, understand them. Put yourself, oh, I like that. Put yourself in their shoes. No judgment. Love despite faults. Let those we don't know, let, let in those we don't know, be open. Don't be, hip, ooh, don't be hypocritical. Accept people as they come, not just saying this, but applying it to life. Don't just say, oh, yeah, we accept everybody and not accept everybody. Um, even accepting one another, even their flaws. Even, ooh, even accepting their flaws. Respect differences. Um, love them as they are. Um, work my way around this way. Um, love them despite their differences. That's good. Um, put aside our differences. Hate the sin, love the sinner. I like that. Not judge on outward appearances. The sleepy boys. <laughs> um, accept all... Okay, accept all the actions that person has done, bad or good. Let one... Be good to one another. Let one, one another into our presence. Don't stop loving them. You heard don't stop believing. Kurt McCabe says don't stop loving. Uh, so, so now this, these, those are good answers. Those are really good answers. I want you to think about it because this verse says accept one another just as Christ accepted you. So that's the spirit in which we're supposed to approach when we accept other people. Think about how Jesus accepted you, like you personally. Jesus accepted you in two ways. He loved you enough to accept you the way you are. All right? When you came to Jesus, you didn't have it all together. Um, no matter at what age you were saved, when you came to, and you still don't have it all together, right? Jesus accepts you the way you are, accepted you the way you are. He loved you enough to accept you the way you are, but he loved you too much to let you stay where you were, right? So when you met Jesus, you were a sinner. He accepted you as a sinner, but he loved you too much to let you stay a sinner. He died on the cross for you. So for us, we always accept people as they are. People don't have to put on a show or you know, put on a pretty face to come to us or try to act like they have everything together to come to us. But what, what our mission is, is in love, is to present Jesus to them, someone who can take them from where they are and take them to another level to where they are forgiven they are loved, they are a child of God, they have a home in heaven. So remember, when we're talking about acceptance, acceptance doesn't necessarily mean totally overlooking anything that in, in someone's life that, that is not right, but it's accepting them and letting them, as they said, right into your presence the way they are, but loving them too much not to introduce them to Jesus. Loving them so much you say, let me tell you about the person who changed my life, and I know he can change yours. So we accept one another. Um, no preconditions. Um, we love them too much to let them stay the way they are. Um, here's the final one. I ha we had to talk about this one. I mean, it, it was in Romans, so it was in this. Yeah, Romans uh, 15, 7. It was on the list, so we have to talk about it, okay? Greet one another with a holy kiss. This is also mentioned in 1 Peter, to greet one another with a kiss of love. What is a kiss of love? 
I was going to ask you to raise your hand if you ever had a kiss of love, but I don't know if I want to see those hands. Um, so, uh, but yeah, what, what, is, what, what do you guys think that means? A holy kiss. Anybody ever given you a holy kiss? That's when you say, holy kiss. Um, <laughs> well, let's be careful with, with that expression. Um, but what does a, a holy kiss mean? It helps if you read this, to study the way the culture was back then. Um, back then, the kiss was like a handshake in that culture. Can you imagine living in a culture where instead of two men shaking hands, they... No. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to Andrew. Um, instead of two men shaking hands, they kiss? Like, that's weird to us. It's weird to us, but back then, not to be disgusting, but the hands were used when he went to the bathroom. So that's all I'm going to say. Okay, so shaking hands was not a real sanitary way to greet one another. The lips were considered the cleanest part of one's body. So if I extended my hand to Andrew, he'd be like, here, let me share my poop with you. You get it now? <laughs> like I told you, I just want to like say it as it is, right? So, so, um, so, so that was, sorry, Andrew, you're just right there, and I've probably made you very uncomfortable. Um, so, <laughs> poor Andrew. He always sits up front, too, on Wednesdays. He just, yeah, he's always right there for me to use as an example. So, Andrew, you are, you're a man. You got broad shoulders to carry it all. Um, but, um, so the way they would greet each other was with a kiss. If you've ever been to a Latin American country, they don't do it necessarily as much in the Caribbean, um, like in the Dominican Republic and those areas, but if you were to go to a Latin American country like Chile, um, like Peru, um, what you would encounter, and they, like when you go to those countries sometimes, if you're going with an organization, they prep you because there is a greeting that a lot of them still do down there where they greet each other with kisses. So, like, when I went down to, when I, especially when I went down to Chile as a teenager with my youth group, they prepped, they prepped us, and they are like, listen, people are going to be coming up to you and kissing you. You have to kiss back. So, like, it's not like, like on the movies kissing, okay? It's, you know, I'm not going to demonstrate it. I was, gonna, <laughs> I was thinking about demonstrating it on one of you, but, um, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Oh, now that's the thing, is I know you would. Um, <laughs> so pretend this is somebody's face. What they do in Latin American countries is you, like, somebody comes up to you this way, so they're facing this way, you're facing this way. You kind of put your cheeks together like this, and you go, and you kind of, like, kiss the side of their cheek, and you, ha you have to make the smooch sound. Like, you have to go, so that's what you do. So, I mean, it, to me, it was really weird doing it. But to them... To them, it's like if you stick your hand out to them, it's just weird to them. They're like, why would you shake hands? That's so weird. And we're like, why would you kiss? That's really weird. But it's, it's a cultural thing. So when it says greet one another with a holy kiss, what it means is greet one another with a, ter with a, with a way of endearment. One of the reasons that I stand at the door of the park as you're coming in is because I want to greet you. I don't kiss everybody going in the door. Uh, <laughs> youth group attendance would decline sharply if I started doing that. Um, but what I try to do, unless I'm talking to someone, is at least put my hand out and shake your hand. 
um, because that's how we greet people in, in, in America. So the idea is that we should be on the lookout for people to greet. Um, so so, so as, as we're thinking about how do we do that at church, that means, yeah, and, and you see this happen, it doesn't just happen at youth groups, so I'm not just like, I'm not picking on you guys. Um, you know, we walk in, sit down at our picnic table, talk with our, our bros, talk with our Bix and Six, and we kind of hear the door open, so we kind of look and see who's coming in, and we go right back to our conversation. You see people in the big church, here's how they do it. They walk in, they've got their, you know, big giant print KJV Jerry Falwell edition Bible under their, tucked under their shoulder. They come in, they kind of waddle in. They find their spot that they've been sitting at for 20 years. They set their Bible down to save their spot. They go get a mint. They go, you know, the guys steal like a handful of mints from the restroom, you know, to, to supply them for a week. They come back 20 minutes early before the service, and they sit. They read the bulletin 5,000 times. If you, if you can find errors in the church bulletin, that means you spent way too much time reading the church bulletin and not enough time shaking hands. Um, so, so yeah, they sit and, and they sit there and they never move. What this is saying is that at our meetings, we should greet one another. And you can't greet one another, for the most part, sitting on your rear end, can you? Um, you need to be looking for people and, yeah, that, that you haven't seen yet. Um, you need to be looking for people you haven't seen all week and you're like, hey... I'll do a nice thing to Andrew instead of talking about kissing and poop. Um, yeah, Andrew's here. I haven't seen him all week. I'm so excited to see you. I'm going to go say hi to Andrew. I'm going to see how his week's been. I greeted him with a holy handshake. Um, come up with your own ways of greeting people that are not uncomfortable. You don't have to use a handshake, but it has to be not creepy, okay? Yeah, you guys that do that, what's that? Uh, who knows how to do that thing? Somebody show me how to do it. Here. They, you know, some of the guys, they do this. Okay. That's okay. You may not want to do that to a, a visitor. Uh, <laughs> they won't come back. Um, but, you know, what you should do, when, you, when somebody comes through the door, whether you know them or not, you know, I'd rather, I'll say this, I'd rather be, if somebody's not going to come back to youth group, I'd rather it be because we're overly friendly than that we're stuck up. So, I mean, if somebody told me, I don't want to come back to youth group because every time I walk through the door, I just get smothered, I may not be disappointed. I may kind of be proud of you. <laughs> you know, I may be proud of you, okay? So, so we, should, we should be, I, I think it would be really awesome if you guys want to join me in the doorway sometime on a Wednesday, I think it would be awesome if we had more teenagers in the doorway than we had in the park. I mean, it may get a little cramped. If you're claustrophobic, that won't work. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if, if we had more teenagers in the doorway than we had in the park and everybody who came through? It was like, from North Carolina, number 23, Michael Jordan. And every time they, yeah, everybody coming up the steps, they're just like people giving them high fives all the way up the steps. They feel like a celebrity coming in. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't you want to come if you knew that was going to happen? Yeah. So greet one another with a holy kiss. We can come up with our own, we can call it the refuel kiss, but it can't be a kiss, okay? So somebody needs to decide what the refuel kiss is. And it's not a kiss, and it's not that silly salmon thing, okay? So um, here's the next section. Everybody stretch your fingers out, okay? You don't want to get up. You're too, you're too late. You know, it, it's, it's, everybody's too tired to get up. So do something. Here, this is my favorite finger stretch. You go up and over and up and over and up and over and up and over. Build up your finger muscles, okay? All right. 
So turn to Matthew. Use those fingers now that they've limbered up. Turn to Matthew 18. What happens when somebody does you dirty? What happens when somebody does you wrong and they are part of your church? Do you pistol whip them? Do you call the pastor and complain about it? Because he doesn't have anything else to do, so he can listen to you complain about somebody else for an hour. Um, do you tell everybody you know what a terrible person they are? Do you passively, passively aggressively talk about them on social media without actually mentioning their names? Um, do you just pack up your stuff and go and be like, I'm not going back to that church? What are, we, what, what are we supposed to do? Because here's the thing, I can promise you this. Somebody will, like I said, remember, I've ran out of fingers and toes to count the number of issues I've had with people here at this church. Um, um, somebody will do you wrong. Because here's what I know. I've, there's probably been times in the past, hopefully I haven't this weekend, maybe I've done something that's offended one of you or offended somebody. I know I've had to have done that you know, probably this weekend, and I probably didn't even mean to do it. Um, I've probably done that countless times this year because I'm a, I'm a person, I'm a human. Um, I mess up on a daily basis. April can tell you that. Like, I screw up on a daily basis. Addison can tell you that. And the church is full of people who screw up on a daily basis. So it's a matter of time when somebody gets their feelings hurt, when somebody gets offended. The question is, when that happens, when somebody messes up in the church, what do we do? Um, Jesus makes it, like, very, very clear. And what's so weird to me, like, is this is one of the clearest things that Jesus explains in the Bible, yet it's one of the things I rarely see happen in any of our churches. So I wonder why that is. I think it's because it goes against our human nature, and you have to be full of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. Um, but Jesus, he, he just says it. So let's read it, Matthew chapter 18, um, verse 15. He says, if your brother, and the verses on, I put the whole section of verses on the screen too. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. So Jesus gives... Three steps. So, when things go wrong, Jesus gives us three steps to deal with this. And let's look and see how these steps are so different than the way we usually handle when we have issues with people. The first thing we see, if somebody does you wrong, help if I could spell. When I get tired, I can't spell very well. Um, is that we deal with it one-on-one. -on -one. Look what it says. It says, if a brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. How often does that happen? Tell me, how often do you think that seems to happen? Usually our first reaction when somebody does us wrong is to involve as many people as we can in it to make it look so, so everybody knows we're the good guy, Andrew's the bad guy. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, Andrew did me wrong. So I want to go and I want to recruit people on my team. 
So I'm going to go recruit all four of these guys, tell them exactly what Andrew did, because when Andrew comes to church, I don't want them, like, greeting him with the holy refuel kiss, because he did me wrong. Like, he should be punished, and he should be, like, ostracized from our community. So I just involved all these guys in it, and, of course, these guys are blabbermouths. You know, just thought you should know that. I'm just joking with you guys, but, like, you know, and, 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 and George tells Kurt about it because he's like, Kurt, you just need to know what Andrew did to Matt. I mean, yeah, Andrew got super offended that Matt talked about that handshake thing, and he, you know, he said something really mean to Matt, you know. And, and so, so, so now this whole table and this whole table know what Andrew did. And now when Andrew walks in to church, instead of being greeted with the holy refuel kiss, he gets greeted with the evil refuel eye stare. And everybody just, they, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't say anything to them. You know, they just look at them. And some of you girls are better at communicating with your looks better than guys are because guys are kind of oblivious to that. But, like, I, you know, some of you girls, like, you don't have to say a word, but with the way that you, like, react with your face, somebody, another girl can know as soon as she walks in the room if she's welcome or not. Like, I don't know how you do that. All I know is that's how it works. That's, that's how it works. So the situation was between me and Andrew. But I've involved this whole host of people. And it turns out Andrew was just a little upset that day. Um, he hadn't had much sleep. He felt like I was picking on him, joking about kissing and stuff. So he got a little upset and said something unkind to me. And he felt really bad as soon as he said it. But since I went and recruited all these people to kind of go against him, now he's kind of upset that I did that. So now the rift between us is larger. So now Andrew decides he's going to recruit this whole group of girls and tell them all the terrible things that I said about him. And then after, yeah, and then that I started turning all these against him. So now we've got two teams. We've got Team Matt and we've got Team Andrew. It's kind of like Twilight or something. You've got Team Matt and you've got Team Andrew. And, and now this issue that was just between us has divided the whole youth group, the whole church sometimes. So what Jesus says is settle it one-on-one. Because what would happen is if I went and I said, you know, Andrew, man, the way you talked to me really kind of hurt me and what you said to me really hurt me. And Andrew said, well, yeah, I was just upset that you... You know, kept picking on me and kept using me as an example, and you know it was really disgusting when you pretended to kiss me, and <laughs> and, uh, and and I'm sorry I lashed out at you. And I say, you know, hey, you know, next time I'll fix somebody else for my object lesson. Sorry I made you feel uncomfortable. And we resolved it. Guess what? If we would have just resolved it one on one, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been involved. They wouldn't have been involved, and we would have had harmony in our youth group, and harmony in our church. So do you see the wisdom that Jesus, that Jesus has here? He says, one on one. Can you imagine some of the drama that would be avoided if when somebody did something that kind of offended us, or we, you know, some, we knew somebody was involved in something, we just went and talked with them one on one. And you know, obviously the spirit here is not a spirit of, I want to just make you feel like the worst person ever. <laughs> the, the, the motive is restoration you want to restore a relationship so you know if Andrew offends me and I just come over there and it's like Andrew I gotta talk to you one on one man and, and I get all up in his face and it's like man what you said was terrible I can't believe you use that language at church you know you need to feel ashamed of yourself 
You think our, rest, yeah, our, our friendship is going to be restored? Is that what Jesus is saying? No. We need to come with the spirit of, I want to work this out. Because whether you know, Andrew and I get along or not, he's my brother in Christ. You know, we have the same heavenly father, the same spiritual DNA. So I want to be in fellowship with Andrew. So we start one-on-one. Um, oh, my. I, I could camp on this one. I'm going to move on. But if we would just, when something happens, settle it one got a slide for it too. Settle it one-on-one. Oh my goodness. I think God's church would have a much better reputation in the community, and I think we'd have a lot sweeter fellowship among us. So, yeah, but Jesus knows that some people, even if you try to work it out with them, are going to be like, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh. I can't believe that you'd approach me. So he does give us a step two. Um, Step two is that we take someone with us and approach them again. He says, take one or two witnesses with you. Now, I've seen this happen before, and people are trying to follow the Matthew 18, but what they do, you know, remember Andrew and I are still feuding, you know, and, um, but I've kept it between the two of us, and I decide, yeah, it didn't work out well the first time, so I'm going to try to approach him again and work it out. Um, so let me decide who I want to take as a witness. Um, you know, I know Jackson's had issues with Andrew in the past, and he's still not like, you know, 100% team Andrew. So, you know, I'm going to take Jackson with me. Um, like, like, George is too kind you know, George is always wanting to forgive, and I really want to just hand it to Andrew. So I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take. I'm not going to take George. Um, let's see, Avery. Avery's one of the meanest dudes I know, <laughs> and he likes to tell people off. So I'm going to take Jackson, who doesn't like Andrew, and I'm going to take Avery, who's just a mean guy in general and kind of a mouthy person, and they're going to be my witnesses. And now we're going to have a talk. And it, instead of instead of it being a conversation, it turns into me just surrounding him and ambushing Andrew. I've seen that happen too, where people form a posse. That's not the spirit of what this is. This is take one person, you know, the best witnesses are quiet ones who don't say anything and they're just there. Okay, so I'm not going to take Avery because he's mouthy. Jackson's already got a bad attitude um, towards, you know, towards Andrew. I'm going to take Caden. I think Caden can be quiet, and he can just kind of observe as I'm, as I'm, as, as I'm talking to Andrew. So, so I take my witness, and maybe when Andrew sees the fact that I'm serious enough that I'm not bringing the whole youth group in, but I'm just bringing one person in, and I'm not, like, trying to double team on him, but, like, that two people are just concerned about this. He may say, you know what, like, maybe, maybe I just need to give this up. And maybe we need to come to an agreement and, and work this out. Now, there's also the final option, the last resort. Unfortunately, we usually treat this as option number one in, our, in the way that we deal with people. And if, if you read it, um, it says in verse 17, if, after the witnesses, if they still refuse to witness, tell it to the church. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, there is a a right and a wrong way to go about this, right? <laughs> because um, during pastor's announcements, it's probably not a time to stand up and say, excuse me, pastor, 
I've got an issue with Andrew. Like, I've kind of wanted to see what would happen if that happened once, but yeah, I, maybe not. <laughs> We'd be like, security, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so, so it's, it's not supposed to happen. Like, when, it, when he says take it to the church, what it means is take it to the church leadership and come up with a plan for how to resolve this. Um, so, so usually, or I don't want to say usually, sometimes when somebody gets upset about something, especially in youth group, the first thing, and I mean, I don't mind you guys talking to me, and I, I want to know what's going on in your life. Um, and if, some, if you're having trouble you know, getting along with somebody, I don't mind if you tell me. But the first thing, hey, Matt, or it's not, hey, Matt, it's, hey, Matt. Um, Andrew really ticked me off last night. Well, you, I, I need you to go talk to Andrew for me and tell him that he needs to get in line with Jesus and he needs to get his heart right with God. And you use me or you know, maybe use one of the other pastors of, in the church as a weapon to get at somebody. That's not what this means. What this means is you, you, you've, you've tried to work it out between the, between the two of you. It, won't, it, it doesn't work out. You've tried to bring a witness. You still can't work it out. So you go to a leader in the church and you say, I've tried to work this out the biblical way. Still won't work out. And you allow the church to decide how to, how to handle it. Um, and then what they determine is if the person still refuses to listen and, and get along, um, it, it says treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Pretty much means if someone's not willing to reconcile with a brother or sister in Christ, that says a lot about their view of the Heavenly Father. And um, I've never seen this happen, I don't think, in the 25 years I've been here. But pretty much it says kick them out. <laughs> But here's the thing. I don't think it would ever get to that point if we would just follow Jesus' rules. You know, talk to the person one-on-one. 99% of the time, it was something that they did that they didn't even realize they did. They didn't even realize it offended you, and they're going to feel terrible just knowing that they offended you, and they're going to want to make it right. So um, that, this, is a, this is a heavy one, I think. We all agree this is a heavy one. But if we want to preserve our unity, this is how we do it. So... This, that's, this is our, we're going to wrap up this session, um, but at the end of all our labs, I always challenge you with this, with this kind of like thought, um, is to just do it. Um, what we learned here, do it. People overestimate what they can do in a day and underestimate what they can do in a year. Imagine where you'll be in five years if you, if you get involved in this church. Um, I know we're not supposed to treat the church as a business and us as customers, um, but if I could pretend to be a customer of this church for a minute... I just want to tell you, I've been a customer of this church for 25 years, and I'm a very satisfied customer. Um, I've grown up here. Um, I've had so many people invest their lives into me, and I've made so many friendships. You know, I had a bunch of friends in high school from my school. I don't even talk to them anymore. Like, I couldn't tell you what Brad, Daniel, or Lance is doing. But what I can tell you is that my best friend Ryan, he's in China as a missionary. And I can tell you, you Phil Blankenship, who I, went to, who I went to youth group with and was friends with, he's playing in the praise band. I can tell you where all the people I grew up with at church are. Um, these are the friendships. These are the relationships. These are the people that you get to invest your whole life into. Um, so if, you know, if you've just been kind of like on, been on the surface and, um, and coming to youth group, I'm so glad you're here. But what I'd really love to see you do is not just... Love our youth group, but love our church. Um, we're going to head over 
in a minute, and you're going to have the opportunity to, to hear from our pastor. You're going to have the opportunity to worship with the young and the old people. Um, so I want you to fall in love with our church. Um, so let's pray, and then it'll be time to church. First service is out, so it's going to be time to head over to the second service. Um, take your Bible with you, um, but I'll have the student ministry building open after church lets out for you to come get your bags and stuff because you probably don't want to take all that stuff into the auditorium with you. So let's pray, and we will march across the parking lot. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your church. Um, God, we're so excited to worship together. We're so excited to hear your word being preached. So, Father, I pray that you'll keep us um, awake, even though we're tired, um, that you'll keep us attentive, um, even though we're a little restless. Um, God, I pray this will be the beginning of us serving together um, for the rest of our lives as one church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.